Wrestling Contest is scheduled for one fall. Please welcome Mr. Freds. What is the one quality that you possess that makes you think that you can walk out here and come into the ring and face the very best in the business? Ruthless aggression. Happy holidays, everybody. Welcome to a very special episode of the Fretzelmania podcast. I can't think of a better way to ring in the holiday season than by reviewing Armageddon 2002 from Sunrise, Florida, in front of a whopping 9,000 people with a 335 thousand buy rate this event is headlined by a three stages of hell match for the world heavyweight championship between new champion Shawn Michaels and challenger Triple H we also have Kurt Angle challenging the undisputed champion the big show to a title match the Raw Tag Team Championships are on the line between the Dudley Boys, Lance Storm, Rolling Regal, Booker T and Goldust, and the champions Chris Jericho and Christian. Eddie Guerrero versus Chris Benoit, Edge versus A-Train, all that, and so much more. But first, the 20 Bell Salute. What other pop culture phenomena was going on in December 2002. In movies, we had The Lord of the Rings, Two Towers, a second in a trilogy of the most boring movies I've ever seen in my entire life, although, visually, watching them in the theaters was truly something else, but the this is 12 hours of my life I would like back. I have only seen the Lord of the Rings trilogy once in its entirety, and I tend to keep it that way. No offense to Peter Jackson, no offense to these movies, but they're meant to be experienced in a theater one time. We also had Gangs of New York, a 1920 gangster movie with Leonardo DiCaprio. I didn't watch this one either. We had Equilibrium. Speaking of another movie I didn't watch, I've heard nothing but bad things about it. I listened to 302010, the podcast that I actually kind of swiped this idea from. It's a Matrix ripoff with Ben Affleck. That's really all you need to know. Speaking of something I also didn't watch, the Wild Thornberries movie, the Wild Thornboys, Thornberries, excuse me, is a cartoon series that came out when I was starting to get out of cartoons. I was hitting puberty, I was watching different shows, and this is 
a show that entirely escapes me. I know a lot of people younger than me adore this show, and you know, it looks fun. Analyze that, one of the worst comedy sequels ever made, and that's all I'm going to go go for for that. In music, Lose Yourself by Eminem is number one, probably for the rest of the year, maybe getting into 2003. We had Sufjan Stevens with a Hark Christmas Carol Songs number two, which means he had a number one. Good for him. Sufjan Stevens, Stevens is pretty good. We had a collab between Gorillaz and D12, something I had no idea was a thing, and now I am very intrigued, and I might just go go digging on Spotify and see if I can find it. We had Tattoo, their album 2200 Kilometers an Hour in the Wrong Lane. That, of course, is the album that has all the things she said, the entrance theme of Victoria. In video games, oh boy. Oh boy, here we go. We had the Game Boy Advance port of The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, the Super Nintendo version, that is, of Legend of Zelda, which might be one of the best Zelda games ever made, one of the best video games ever made. This, of course, comes with the Four Swords Adventures, and it's not to be confused with the GameCube title of the same name. This was a very... How, how, how do I put this? A very adventurous attempt at doing a Legend of Zelda multiplayer. You needed four people with Game Boy Advances and cords and the Legend of Zelda Link to the Past Four Swords in order for this to work. I didn't have enough friends who had Game Boy Advances. Frankly, I didn't have... I had my handful of friends at this point in time, but... They were all playing PS2s, and I was playing uh, N64 and GameCube. Speaking of Legend of Zelda, in Japan, The Wind Waker was released. One of the most polarizing Zelda games out there due to its cel-shaded nature. Now, at this point in time, I was horrified to see what they did to my boy what they did to Link, what they did to Zelda, what they did to Ganondorf, but my god, this game is immersive, it's emotional, it's underrated, and, you know, it was a very, very good game where you're sailing the Great Sea over a flooded Hyrule on the King of Red Lions, a talking king boat thingy, and sailing and doing other things in this game was only approved upon in the Wii U HD remake in, I think, 2014-2015. It's been rumored to come to the Switch for years at this point, and I don't know if we'll ever see it. I would love, love to see all these old 3D Zeldas in a compilation or on like a Nintendo Switch Online deal with the GameCube and with uh, other consoles, because this game is just so damn good, and luckily, if you have a Wii U, if you have a GameCube, they're somewhat easily accessible. We had Sonic Advance 2, another portable 2D Sonic game, which was pretty good, you know, it's it's not even close to Sonic 1, 2, and 3 on the Genesis, 
but it's a really nice attempt, and the, these games were kind of fun. Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon, a Tom Clancy game, first-person shooter, PS2, Xbox, I think GameCube. You've seen one first-person shooter, you've seen them all. I mean, to me, they're all the same. You know, to me, Call of Duty is no different than Halo. You know, I was partial to Halo 4. I played the absolute bejesus out of it back in the day, but not really my forte to go to go online and do do um you know shooter games we then had nickelodeon party blast a mario party clone with nickelodeon characters that's literally it it's as bare bones as it gets and every other company out there you know you had your playstation all-stars you had Oh, I think you had one with more Nickelodeon people. Or, or was that their version of Smash? Either way, you know, Nintendo does Smash the best and Nintendo does Party the best. You know, everyone that tries to imitate it, never duplicate it. It's never, never really that good. And I can only find one other thing for the world of wrestling during that particular week in 2002. And that was Ring of Honor's final battle the first iteration of said pay-per-view which is a great full circle moment nate take a shot from final battle 2022 taking place last night at the time that i'm recording this we had a new ring of honor champion crowned with uh, claudio castagnoli he wasn't on this show spoiler alert but it was a very very inventive finish and from what i could see on the highlights and the gifs on twitter it was pretty good looking show maybe when i get some more time i'll i'll try to watch it but here in 2002 at the murphy rec center in philly in front of a whopping 500 fans my internet browser just quit hang on a second ah cm punk defeated colt cabana that is going to age just perfectly simply luscious with christopher daniels defeated alexis Lurie. special k represented by deranged and angel dust defeated the backseat boys trent acid and johnny cashmere and a hit squad mafia and monster mac in a scramble match oh boy the first ever scramble match you want to hear apron bump talk about this one Oh man, I think he takes this, he tears that to shreds. I mean, the, the scramble match is a real piece of work. Look at the one that Teddy Hart was in. That's, that's all I'm going to say. Just just look it up. It's a car crash. Speaking of a car crash, which would have been a car crash in a good sense, because this would have been a flying, bumpy, floppy match. We had The Prophecy, Christopher Daniels and Donovan Morgan, retaining the Tag Team Championships over the SAT the Spanish announced team, Jose and Joel Maximo, in a two out of three falls match. Man, that would have been awesome. We had the new Christopher Street connection. Every tag team with the word new in it is so much better than the original. The new Rockers, the new Midnight Express, the new Blackjacks. <laughs> we had the, the new Christopher Street connection, which was mace and japanese pool boy not to be confused with masse of 
Maximum Male Models, defeated the Carnage Crew, H.C. Loke, and Tony DeVito of ECW fame by disqualification. Jody Fleisch, a wrestler I have never heard of, defeated The Amazing Red. And in a match that I have seen because I have the Paul London ROH DVD, Please Don't Die, Xavier retained the ROH Championship against Paul London. And in the main event, something that just astounds me how they did this. We had a 45-minute time limit draw fatal four-way match between Brian Danielson, Loki, Samoa Joe, and Steve Carino. Fatal four-way match time limit draw. Just absolutely amazing. Uh, these four guys probably just tore the roof off of the rec center and you know it looks like something that I would probably even watch at some point in my life. Kicking off Armageddon 2002 is Freddie Blassie. My goodness, you know, uh, unfortunately Blassie uh, passed away a couple months after this show and my lord, you know, hearing his gravelly, grizzled voice talking about Armageddon and battles and whatnot and that classic the end is near theme that we had for Armageddon or we had it for Invasion for some reason that was really weird but from about now until the last time we had an Armageddon pay-per-view which I think was 06 or 07 we had that classic end is near theme you know the end of the year is here I mean folks this is the uh the last Fretzelmania that you're going to hear before Christmas and the last one in this timeline you know next year I'm still going to be doing Smackdown I'm still going to be doing uh Ruthless aggression pay-per-views might throw in some other stuff here and there as I as I'm as I may, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. You'll be getting a special treat uh, on New Year's Eve Eve, that is the the thirtieth, because I release on Fridays, and it's going to be a 2023 prediction show. You know, I might record it right after this. I might wait until after uh, winter is coming, although I don't expect a lot from that from that episode of Dynamite. You know, there is no way on planet Earth that the Pebble is going to defeat MJF for the title on that show. I don't expect any major returns or any major debuts. Maybe Adam Cole if he's still not concussed, but again... We'll get there when we get there. Kicking off this show is the Raw Tag Team Championship match. Pitting the Dudley Boys versus Lance Storm and William Regal versus Booker T and Goldust versus Chris Jericho and Christian. So we have one traditional tag team here that recently reunited at Survivor Series. Check out mine and King Ricky's review of that in the archives. Versus three strange bedfellow tag teams. You know, Lance Storm and William Regal have been part of the Un-Americans since July. That stable has kind of gone by the wayside except for the remnants of Storm and Regal tag teaming together. And their former stablemate Christian has been tagging with his fellow Canadian and good friend Chris Jericho having some 
great comedic moments in their own right. Them being former tag team, no, the current Raw tag team champions uh, leading into this. You know, they were recently part of a historic TLC on Monday Night Raw where I think Kane took on three different tag teams by himself, which (laughs) that was just an absolute gong show. Michael Cole and Taz are on commentary for the SmackDown side, and JR and King on the Raw side of things. And this, I think, is the second-to-last Raw and SmackDown non-Big 5 pay-per-view, because in the new year, SmackDown and Raw will be getting their own brand-exclusive events. I believe it starts with Backlash. Following WrestleMania 19. Oh my god, I get to review WrestleMania 19. Ho ho, let's go. 2003, my lord, that's quite the year in pro wrestling. So kicking off this show, we are reminded that at Survivor Series, all the titles changed hands. If I didn't say that already. (laughs) Bubba Ray Dudley kicks off this show saying that Canadians suck while punching Lance Storm. No, Bubba, you suck. You suck for saying we suck. What did we ever do to you? We're America's hat. We're your polite next-door neighbors. We see a high flapjack by the duds to the creepy little bastard Christian. Christian tags in Regal, which then reminds me that it's one of those Four Corners tag team matches, which reminds me of, I believe it was on the Raw Bowl. In 1996, it was a veiled attempt at the WWE trying to compete with or mimic Monday Night Football because they would never get anywhere near their ratings. And I'm looking at Sunday Night Football now with my Kansas City Chiefs just demolishing the Denver Broncos 34-28 to right now. Uh, knock on wood for that one. And they were just having some fun. I mean, they... They named their trophy the Steve Lombardi Trophy. And if you don't know who Steve Lombardi is, uh, I mean, it's the Brooklyn Brawler. It's Doink the Clown. It's the the the, the baseball guy, Abe Knuckleball Schwartz. You know, them poking fun at Major League Baseball when they had their strike in 1994, which probably robbed the Montreal Expos of their pennant and remaining a team in Montreal maybe, but they've already won their pennant, the Washington Nationals. So congratulations to the Montreal Nationals for being World Series champions. Where was I going for this? Oh yeah, the Raw Bowl. So in that Raw Bowl match, it was like the Smoking Guns versus Sid and the 1-2-3 Kid versus Razor and Savio Vega versus, I don't know, let's say the Body Donnas. And the Smoking Guns tagged each other in, and then they tried to pin each other so they win the match, so they retain the tag team titles, because that's such a genius chicken shit heel move, but nobody in this match tried that, unfortunately. We then see Bubba Ray and Goldust, speaking of strange bedfellow teams here, working over the tag team champions with dual dusty punches and dual bionic elbows. We see a was up keeping a then three-year-old Budweiser commercial reference relevant and quite frankly still relevant today because when everyone thinks was up, you either think 
of the Budweiser commercials, you think of Scary Movie 1, or you think of the Dudley Boys. And I think of all three because those three were very much in my Rolodex in my teenage years. We had a Devon get the tape denied. No, there was no tables in here. Then we had a lot of roll-ups and reverses in and out of roll-ups and... Dudley boys were eliminated. Oh, it's a elimination tag team match. I didn't know if that was made clear by Howard Finkel at the start of this match. I didn't really pay attention here. But then immediately after the Dudley boys are eliminated, Regal is pinned after a shock treatment, a.k.a. the snap power slam by Goldust, and he's gone. We are down to book dust versus Jericho and Christian. You know, they have been feuding on Monday Night Raw as of late, so now this is the blow-off. We see the uppercut to Christian. Chris Jericho smashes Goldust with a Union Jack. What is it with Chris Jericho and flags? I mean, come on. We see a gut buster to Goldust, a long abdominal stretch, a long rest hold here including the ropes, because he's a heel, doing the abdominal stretch by the ropes, blah, blah, blah. Booker T chops Chris Jericho. We see a cradle and a two count. The scissor kick is denied and reversed into a walls of Jericho. Christian is on the rope with a title in his hand, and then he gets crotched. Chris Jericho is then sent into Christian's balls, making this injury far worse. A Booker T missile dropkick results in a two count, a face crusher, and a lion salt where Chris Jericho lands on his feet. We see a spinner Rooney and a scissors a scissors kick. Christian breaks up the pin. Chris Jericho gets a belt shot and a lion salt in for a two count. Nick Patrick is the referee for this match. I should just make that known. A book end, and we have new Raw Tag Team Champions with Booker T and Goldust, you know, on commentary even during this match and kind of throughout the last few weeks. Mostly the heels, like Jerry Lawler and then people on the heel side of the, the wrestling roster, calling Goldust the weak link of this tag team. It's like, no, you're no weak link. These people believed in you and now you're one half of the tag team champions. Can you dig that? Say it with me. Sucka... Backstage, we have the newly debuted backstage reporter from Tough Enough, old Frosted Tips himself, Josh Matthews, asking Brock Lesnar if he was going to be in Kurt Angle's corner tonight for the Undisputed Championship match. And he said that tonight, he's going to make an impact. And it's kind of funny that I say this now. Big full circle moment here, so Nate, take a shot, take a couple of shots. There, there is an, out, an uh, alleged dirt sheet rumor out there from back in the day that Brock Lesnar wanted to go to TNA Wrestling when Angle was there. Of course, there was no, you know, no smoke to that fire. Nothing, nothing happened. Brock never went to Impact. Instead, coming back to the WWE, I think it was actually maybe 0708. It had to be. I, I don't have a exact concrete idea on it but i think i f- i found it funny that brock lesnar would have wrestled kurt angle in the impact zone that is just that is good 
Good ass word, pal. Uh, hydrate yourselves, kids. Our next match is Edge versus A Train. And Albert has a new name and a big ass horn for his entrance theme. It sounds a lot like Diesel's horn, but this is a very primitive version of his A Train theme, you know, with the, the, the train ding, 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 you know, stop at the train tracks and the whistle and whatnot. And his theme here is literally Rhino. It's literally Rhino's theme. I mean, spoiler alert, he's going to be coming back in a couple of months from a broken freaking neck. But I mean, every theme here from back in the day is just, it sounds like Rhino, which sounds like Benoit. And it's like rock music in the back in this day, sounding a lot like Nickelback and Creed and Default, Three of a Dead Man, all great bands in their own right. But they kind of sound exactly the freaking same. So we had A-Train is jumping on the fast track to success. Very good, very good pun here, Michael Cole. Edge has had a torn MCL for the past little while and has been dealing with nagging injuries. And Edge is going to be wrestling on behalf of his tag team champion, Rey Mysterio, and a little bit him because Albert has been targeting him backstage as well. Well, after Edge had Rey Mysterio's back after a vicious attack on SmackDown. So Albert does that... I'm going to call him Albert A-Train, whatever, during this match, so bear with me. He does that bottom rope uh, slingshot guillotine spot, which always looks really nasty. We then see the Davy Boy Smith Memorial chin lock. Shout out to Wrestling Bios. Edge with the Owen Hart Memorial spinning wheel kick, immediately following the chin lock. Edge with a face buster on the big man. Edge hits a really neat-looking... Tornado Edgeomatic for a near fall. A top rope nothing is reversed into a bicycle kick by Albert. Just fantastic timing with that spot. A baldo bomb is resulting in a two count. A tra- and Albert gets into the ring with a chair. Referee Jimmy Corderas grabs it. We see a spear resulting in a near fall. And then... Albert says, saw this. I'm going to take a chair to Edge's knee for a disqualification. And then Edge dropkicks the chair into Albert and then just goes wild, swinging the chair on Albert shot after shot after shot. No one-man concertos because we're not quite at rated R. Backstage, Paul Heyman pleads with the big show not to attack Brock Lesnar tonight. He's going to make an impact, a TNA impact, in Angle's Corner. He talks about respect. And then there's something about Paul Heyman walking into Stephanie's office to give him, her, a piece of his mind. Though the Big Show was wanting to walk into Stephanie's office and give her a piece of his mind. And Big Show is like, no, she's going to think that we're pressuring her. And McMahon's don't like when people pressure them. They don't like intimidation. Let me reason with Stephanie. That is going to go well, Paul. Good luck. Next up here, oh boy, just folks, strap in. 
get in your comfy chair and just settle in. We're in for a banger. Eddie Guerrero versus Chris Benoit. I mean, this might be one of their better matches together. You know, spoiler alert, their match at One Night Stand was okay, but man, this one. Here we go. There's no tag team title match on tonight because, as you know, Eddie Guerrero is one half of the tag team champions with Chavito, with Chavo. But because Chris Benoit's former frenemy tag team partner is in the main event and Edge is otherwise preoccupied with Albert, Rey Mysterio's injured, and Team Angle hasn't debuted yet, Haas and Benjamin, we're in for a banger of a singles match here, which I'm good with. We see the classic, the classic horribly offensive sign of the night. Eddie Guerrero stole my hubcaps because I don't need to explain it, right? That's just a horrible stereotype. That's just kind of off-putting to look back on, if I can be honest with you. We have a lot of ground game here, a lot of mat-based wrestling where Stu Hart would definitely approve that. Yes, Chris Benoit, take take Eddie, you come to sleep with from the other side and just stretch him. Uh, Stu Hart is looking down. Has he been dead by this point? I think Stu Hart's passed away by this point, so he's looking down on Benoit, approving, rubbing his hands, and whispering, stretch him. Eddie, with all the chops, and we're asked, where do these issues between Eddie and Benoit come from? And I think it's honestly from a combination of the the uh, tag team title hot potato for the past couple of months, and the competitive spirit between these two competitive wrestlers. We see a lot of chain and counter wrestling. Eddie has an armbar in, but Chris Benoit lifts him up and suplexes him, a la Bob Backlund. Eddie Guerrero with a dive to the outside, and it looks like he messed up his knee, and we now have a target. A psychological target for Chris Benoit to manipulate. We see a single leg elevated crab, kind of the, which kind of looked like the Hoss of Pain by Chris Benoit, who is then working over the knee of Eddie with a spinning toll hold, a Terry Funk approved submission hold. Eddie Guerrero with all the chops once again. Chris Benoit takes Eddie to Suplex City with... Three ain't enough. No. Five German suplexes in Air Canada is noped. We see two more suplexes, so we're up to seven. Eddie Guerrero then does some suplex cities of his own with four German suplexes on Chris Benoit and a brain buster to cap it off. He then starts to feel froggy, lands the frog splash off the top rope, Chris Benoit kicks out. Chavo Guerrero is on the outside and belt shots. Chris Benoit behind the referee's back. Eddie locks in the lasso from El Paso, but he gets out. Benoit chops the living crap out of Eddie Guerrero, and I wandered out loud and took this note. 
Chris Benoit versus Walter in a chop-off. Just talk about slapping meat. Talk about red chests. Have you guys seen PCO versus Walter from like GCW Spring Break? Like I think it was 2018. Take a look at PCO and Walter's chest after that match. It looked like every color of the rainbow. It was disgusting. Chris Benoit with a really nice crisp powerbomb in Air Canada. And and that is reversed because Chavo goes to the top rope to try and stop Benoit from landing it. Eddie then goes for a Hurricane Rana but is knocked knocked out. We see an Air Canada. A lasso from El Paso was reversed into a crossface. And Chris Benoit has the tap-out victory over Eddie Guerrero in this technical masterclass. Had a little bit too much shenanigans with Chavo, but man, this this match. Go out of your way to watch this match if you're going to watch anything from this show. Well, there's something else in here that you should be watching as well. But it's not this. Backstage, Paul Heyman walks into Stephanie McMahon's office, and she approves of what she sees in Chris Benoit. Like, she loves that Chris Benoit. And Paul Heyman comes in here, talks about Brock's suspension. You know, I know that it's lifted. You can't do anything. I'm here for a bigger reason than that suspension. The WWE title match between Angle and Chris Benoit is a one-on-one. You know, something about integrity. Oh, you mean like how Big Show won the WWE title? Stephanie chimes in. And, and, you know, and Paul Heyman's like, you know, Brock is here. And the show wants to break his neck. So they're they're trying to get Brock Lesnar not involved here. Uh, it, it, it's just Paul Heyman kissing ass and trying to manipulate Stephanie McMahon. But, you know, she's not to be pushed around. We then see a Don Marie and Tori Wilson sizzle reel. Oh, boy. Oh, here we go. Uh, Don Marie promises to reveal some footage. You know, what happened in room 357? How far did Tori go? Uh, how hot is this? And throughout this whole promo, Tori's father, like legit father, like Al Wilson, God rest his soul, was Tori's real father getting involved in this match. I mean... He had the charisma of my water bottle sitting to the right of me, but he was still part of the show, and uh, that's his daughter about to mac out with the woman that she is supposedly marrying. So he tries to call this off, you know. It it, it it's it's Don and Tori kissing in their brown panties. That's it. Al's seen enough, but the people want more, says Don Marie. And, you know, the king makes a comment on on this here in just a second, and I, I'm astounded that it made it made air. But I, I guess we got to wait and see what's going to be going on here. We're, we're not much longer uh, <laughs> for Al Wilson on TV here because of some... Yeah, I, I, I'm going to get there when I get there, but it, it is truly captivating television. 
We then see JR and the King are going to be calling this next match, and the King wants this footage to get this footage from Dom, but he can't stand up right now. I'm just going to keep going now because I don't want to picture the erection of Jerry the King. Kane versus Batista is our next match here. And we hear, of course, the banger Kane theme Slow Chemical with an underrated instrumental version of Batista's theme well before, I believe it was Saliva that did I Walk Alone some two and a half years after this. But this is very, very good. We have big big men here bumping meat. This is meat-slapping majesty. We have Batista's in-ring pay-per-view debut right here. I mean, he's been on other shows. He's He was at, I think, Judgment Day in Reverend Devon's corner against... I, I forget who it was against. It was against maybe Rikishi or someone like that. That was... That was six months ago. That was more than six months ago, and I can't stinking remember this. Yeah, that's how memorable some of these moments were. You know, I also did take some time off of podcasting, so it's it's a blur, folks. And yeah, Batista's first pay-per-view match. Not his first pay-per-view appearance, but match. And I'm looking at Ric Flair being in a Batista's corner, thinking... We are getting the genesis, not of McGillicuddy, but of evolution. We are not much long for this world without evolution. I might start doing a little bit of Monday Night Raw now that I think of this. The Deacon went demon. We see a clothesline. By Bautista and Kane sit right so I'm thinking like no nah, man I'm the devil's favorite demon I'm undead too you may be a leviathan but I'm literally from hell bring it bitch we see a clothesline out of the ring Bautista stun guns Kane out to the outside of the ring he goes for that you know the stun gun the uh, the slingshot into the ropes, stunning Steve Austin, but it causes Kane to stumble out of the match. We see a sidewalk slam. Kane choke slams Batista, but takes too long to cover, resulting in Ric Flair trying to get involved here. Kane brings Ric Flair into the ring, eats a big boot, but that distraction allows Batista to land the Batista bomb. For the win. And we're off to the races with Dave Batista here because now looking back on his career in 2022, my lord, I mean, it's a bit of a stop start because of his injuries, but when he gets going, he he gets going. Backstage we see Kurt Angle looking for Brock. And that's literally it. We are now treated to a rap with John Cena and B squared John Cena drops a line here which is going to stay with him for the remainder of his career Medi says he has a master's degree in thugonomics oh man I smell an entrance theme coming up here 
oh, I can't wait till we get to basic thugonomics. I used to know that theme word for word. And I'm not much of a rap guy. I listen to everything. We then hear John Cena like, yo, 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 I'm going to rap without a beat. And of course, he is wearing some Pittsburgh Pirates gear, complete with the pinstripe hat. Not quite those gaudy pinstripe, like, big hats that the Pirates wore in the 70s. What do you call it? Like a top hat? Yeah. It's not quite like the pinstripe top hat from the 70s, but it's fairly close. It looks kind of cool. We then learn why B squared is called B squared. And I didn't know this because I thought, oh, Bull Buchanan. No, no, no. Bull no more. He is bling bling Buchanan. And, you know, John Cena has a line here about Marsha Brady, ow my nose. I guess that's him punching the nose of his haters. I didn't take any notes. Because it's John Cena rapping. You just have to go and find out for yourself. And it's some entertaining stuff. It is just... He's scratching the surface. John Cena, he is on the precipice of something big. 2003 is a big year. Big year for John Cena. We then have Victoria versus Trish versus Jacqueline for the Women's Championship. And this is the debut. Is it the debut? This is the first time I've heard it on this timeline. Although it is an instrumental, not-tattoo version of all the things she said for Victoria's theme, because Victoria is getting her crazy gimmick. And all the things she said, which at the time, this music video... um. If you've seen it, you've seen it, right? I don't need to explain this, right? <laughs> it was a <clears throat> controversial of its time. It was controversial. And it was well regarded amongst um my lads, my my male friends. That's all that's all I'm going to say. Y- 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 you'll know what I mean. We then have Victoria with a superplex and Jackie swoops into the ring immediately to sneaky cover but to no avail jackie with a head scissors which for being you know in her i think she was in her 40s at this point in time was impressive to see they both double team victoria before taking each other out victoria is sent out of the ring but while trish has jackie covered after some kind of move from the outside in between the apron and the first rope so the referee couldn't see it Victoria belt shots Trish right in the face from the outside, sends Jackie out of the ring, covers Trish, retains the championship, and then wears Trish's hat. <gasps> the audacity. Backstage, Angle and Brock have a chat. Angle was hyping Brock Lesnar's ability to F5 the big show. And he says, if you're in my corner you realize that you're going to be 20 feet away from Paul Heyman, the man who screwed you out of the undisputed title. And Angle, you know, saying that he got Brock's suspension lifted. Hey, you won't regret this, but Angle's still egging him on. You know what? 
you're not going to regret this. Here, watch this tape. And he gets a cassette tape of Survivor Series where Paul Heyman screwed Brock Lesnar. And we go from there. Into the next match, which is Angle versus Big Show for the Undisputed title. This is your plotting Davey and Goliath match that goes back and forth. I don't have spot for spot. I fast forward to most of this match because I've seen it before and it's not good. We see a ref bump because it's a ref bump. Angle chairs the bejesus out of the Big Show, but he kicks out. And we see another ref bump. We see an ankle lock and a visual tap without any ref. And for some reason, Albert gets involved here and he lands the train wreck on Kurt Angle. One of those wrestling moves that look like it hurts the wrestler more than it does the recipient. Yeah, he gets Kurt Angle up for the Bruno Sarmartino backbreaker and then just comes crashing down on his own knees. Yeah, that's not that effective a move. But then Big Show goozles Kurt Angle, goes for the chokeslam, but Brock Lesnar comes into the ring, F5s the Big Show, as if the ref didn't hear the pop from Brock Lesnar, as if the ref didn't feel the mat shake when a 500-pound Big Show got his ass slammed into the ring. Like, seriously, these refs are dumb. But yeah, Kurt Angle is the new Undisputed Champion, and... You won't regret it, Kurt. I mean, Brock. You won't regret being in Kurt Angle's corner. Not at all. Next up here is finally the main event. We got the three stages of hell match between Triple H and the world heavyweight champion, Shawn Michaels. But first, at Not WWF New York, we have... I am not booked tonight, Rob Van Dam, giving his thoughts on the Bane event. And he knows what they're both capable of, but HBK has his number. And nobody likes to see Triple H get his ass kicked more than Rob Van Dam. And interestingly, this three stages of hell match kind of turns things up a little bit it's 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 as if they were playing like smackdown versus raw went into universe mode or went into create a match mode and went with this the first fall is a street fight okay that's fairly standard second fall is a steel cage and the third fall if necessary which is always necessary it's a ladder match seriously i mean by the time these guys get to ladder match, they're going to be haggard and bloody and broken and whoo. But this match, it's long. It's kind of plodding. But once the falls are, once, you know, one of the falls are over, it's an entertaining match. It, it's Shawn Michaels. It's Triple H. I mean, these are former friends, bitter enemies now. You know, Triple H turning his back on him. Messing up his back. Shawn Michaels having that triumphant comeback at Survivor Series. Winning the title in the Elimination Chamber. And man, we start off here with a schmoz, a bunch of hardcore plunder. Triple H gets a trash can. He has his quad taped up. He is selling 
some injuries here, despite the fact he just came back from a crushed larynx at the hands of Rob Van Dam and errant frog splash at the Elimination Chamber, which is miraculous he came back from that at all because he couldn't breathe. That was, and it was at the beginning of the match, and he finished. It's time to put respect on Triple H's name, folks. And it starts with me, because I hated him for years. But, yeah, I'm putting respect on it. We hear a We Want Tables match while Sean is setting it. Seriously, Florida, be patient. HBK suplex through a table is denied. Triple H gets the ring steps. Triple H does a second rope garbage bin shot. Triple H sets the table a double table. Oh, we're we're doing a Dudley Boys WrestleMania X7 bump here. Oh, I see. We're just gonna have to wait and see here because this is a this is a, a little Easter egg for later in the match. A suplex to the outside through said tables is blocked and is and then Triple H suplexes Triple H back in the ring. Hardly race high knee by Triple H who then gets a chair working the fused and broken back of Shawn Michaels. And then he sits the chair up in the ring and hits Triple H with a sidewalk slam on the sat chair, which it looked brutal. Uh, Sweet chin music is blocked. Triple H lands a leg twist here. He smashes the knee on the bin. See a bunch of chop blocks and a figure four by Triple H. HBK reverses and fights out of it, much like every Ric Flair figure forever. Someone twists it around. Like that time Bret Hart turned it into the sharpshooter and won the title, I think. Triple H with a bin lid, more plunder, and brawl to the back, and there is a fire on the stage. And it's been part of the stage's construction all night. We just haven't really noticed it or brought attention to it. Now these two are going towards that fire. But Fretz, this isn't an inferno match. No, they're both going towards these flames. Triple H then finds his old nemesis, Barbie. The barbed wire 2x4 and memories of Cactus Jack at No Way Out 2000. I have Got to review that pay-per-view. Give me the idea for the future. And I'm just going to put a little pin in that. He hesitates hitting HBK with Barbie. But then he turns around and sets it on fire. Triple H misses. But HBK doesn't. He bops Triple H in the face. With that flaming 2x4, they're both blading, they're both gacked. Triple H, I mean, HBK gets a chair, no, has a chair, but is dropped toe hold into it. We see a pedigree, nope, a low blow, once again, another pedigree in the ring. Triple H is up 1 0. The steel cage lowers without the boom, 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 boom music, which I was thoroughly disappointed we didn't get. 
Hydrate yourselves, kids, once again. Triple H sets up a table in the corner, and it is teased getting whipped through and whipped through. But then HBK is sent into the cage, just like a cheese through the cheese grater. JR says the word epidermis in this match about Triple H. HBK's epidermis getting shredded through the cage, which reminds me of the Simpsons reference. Your epidermis is showing. If you get that, I love you. Triple H, no, HBK, my lord, lands a Lou Thez press a la his good buddy Steve Austin. Little Easter egg for Steve Austin's comeback just a little bit from now. Both try escaping the cage. Ric Flair is back in the ring trying to prevent Shawn Michaels from doing so. Shawn Michaels fights him off, whips Ric Flair into the corner, 10 punches him, and like old times, Ric Flair is blading in a cage. We then see a table get set up in the ring. Shawn Michaels chair shots both Ric Flair and Triple H. Triple H kind of flops onto a setup table. Shawn Michaels goes to the top of the cage with a super fly splash off of it, pinning Triple H, tying this match. We have eight minutes left in this show, and we're at ladder match. This couldn't be like the most slapped ass together ladder match that I've ever seen. And the belt is being taken away and then hoisted up as the cage is also ascending into the heavens of the Sunrise Arena. And that's when I would punch Triple H in the dick, get a ladder, and just right up that thing, even before you can get it set up. Remember that Ultimate X match when the X fell on a guy and he won the match? Was that P.D. Williams? That sounds like a P.D. Williams kind of thing to do. Should have done that. But we saw suplexes on the ladders, we see HBK missing a ladder splash. We see a pedigree. We see the crowd looking the other way for a minute, much like I'm looking the other way. And, oh, the Chiefs game's over, so I don't know what game's on that TV now. I'm about to play some Pokemon Scarlet because i got to take down the Elite Four. And I want to do it by the holidays. <laughs> the Elite Four is always, always tough. Not sure about that game. But I think it's because some mark tossed out of the ring out of the arena good lord probably for being a bonehead and starting a fight in the crowd like some petulant man child seriously if you're going to a sporting event don't start a scrap don't say stupid things or insult someone or like man you paid all that money anyways uh, triple h i'm sorry Shawn Michaels jerks Triple H off <clears throat> the ladder and a super kick sends Triple H out of the ring, at least for a second. Triple H is valiantly, slowly, bloodily, groggily crawling for the title. But Triple H gets back into the ring, tips it over. And you remember those four tables I... Did I say four tables? I think I did. That were getting set up earlier in the night. Here's where your Easter egg pays off. Shawn Michaels 
is sent hoying through those four tables, a la Bubba Ray Dudley at WrestleMania X7 in a disgusting splat of a bump. Triple H, who's hanging on by a thread. I mean, this man was peggered. He was beaten to a pulp. He should have been taking time off till WrestleMania. And, you know, and I was reading that in the back issue of The Observer. Not that I trust anything that Dave Meltzer says, because fuck Dave Meltzer. But both these men were peggered, especially Triple H. And he's the new champion once again. And I think this here is where your reign of terror... No. The reign of terror is kind of stop-start because he loses the title at Unforgiven. Mind you, it's 10 months after this. He regains it and wins it again and loses it. Yeah, this is your Triple H reign of terror. This is kind of the genesis of it. And it makes Raw kind of shitty for about the next 16 months. But, man, this pay-per-view, these ruthless aggression pay-per-views are getting more underrated as we go. I know 03 is a big year in wrestling. It's one of my other favorite ones, other than 2000 and 2001. But yeah, 2003 was great. And 02, reviewing this whole year of 02, man, it was better than the Invasion. I mean, I would rather watch the new gen than ever review the Invasion angle again. Because, my lord, near the end, it got bad. But that's it. So that is it for this year in my Ruthless Aggression timeline. I know I said it a little earlier, but close to New Year's Eve, that'll be December 30th, is my 2023 prediction show. And some of these predictions are easy. Some of these are probably going to be wrong. Some of these are flat-out insane, but that's wrestling. It's fun. It's flat-out insane. So thank you very much, folks, for listening this past year. Uh, This is the last one before Christmas. So whatever you're celebrating, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Festivus, for the rest of us, I hope it's a good one. It's a happy one that you're with people whom you love. And whatever you celebrate, do it safely, do it smartly. Don't drink and drive for your holiday parties. Please, for the love of God, do not do that. And have a happy holiday season from all of us in the Fretzelmania household. So thank you very much. We will see you New Year's Eve. And then, in the new year, we'll have Fretzelmania 99. And also... Fretzelmania 100. You can send me cameos and DMs and audio clips and voice matches and all that on Anchor. I'll give you some links below. Also be sure to follow the rest of us on WrestleAddict Radio at Addict underscore Wrestle. On Twitter, WrestleAddict Radio everywhere else. Listen to all of our podcasts. The Kings of the Rings podcast. The... On hiatus, Young Lions Perspective, and of course, Brace for Impact. Follow me at Fretzelmania, F-R-E-T-Z-L-E Mania on all the all the platforms. Love y'all. Happy holidays. Cheers. <laughs>